Ken Duke is a professional golfer on the PGA Tour Champions. Ken turned professional in 1994, floating back and forth between mini-tours and the PGA Tour for several seasons thereafter. Following nearly 20 years of playing professional golf, Ken got his first PGA Tour win in 2013 at the Travelers' Championship. Like many other triumphs in his life, this win did not come easily. Ken had to outlast Chris Stroud in two playoff holes to capture the win. Ken's story is one of tremendous resolve, as he has struggled with scoliosis since the 7th grade. Back problems have caused the demise of several professional golfers in the past, so it's inspiring to see Ken continue to perform at the highest level for over 40 years since his initial diagnosis. Please remember to rate and subscribe if you enjoy the show. Here's Ken Duke. Hey, Ken. Thanks for the time today and uh, agreeing to chat. It's good to see you. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. So I wanted to just jump into kind of your story and going way back to growing up in Arkansas and um, your introduction to the game of golf. Yeah, I just grew up in a small town in in Arkansas uh, called Arkadelphia. My dad was a weekend golfer, you know, probably eight to ten handicap. Um, But as a kid, I played all sports and and um, when I was 15, I got diagnosed with scoliosis. So I had to quit baseball and football and basketball because I just could not condition as much as other kids. So I started just started golf. And, uh, um, you know, it's an individual sport. So you can kind of do it at leisure and do it when you want and do it uh, with friends. Um, so I just pushed hard and pushed hard. I had to have back surgery when I was 15. So that, you know put me back a little bit, but I just kept pushing forward and went to college at a small school there called Henderson State and graduated there in 1992, then turned professional in 93. And and um, now here we are, you know, 28 years later, you know, chasing this this dream and um, had a few few great, great events. I uh, won a couple on the Corn Ferry and uh, won the Travelers Championship on the PGA Tour in 2013. And now I'm back out uh, on the on PGA Tour Champions competing, and uh, it's crazy. It's uh, it's a long road, but it's been a fun road. Yeah, so I'd love to just like zoom in for a bit on uh, talking about when you were young and getting diagnosed with scoliosis and obviously the adversity of that. Can you talk a little bit more about um, what that was like for you and, and dealing with that and kind of um, what that meant for your golf game uh, as a young kid, kind of trying to develop a golf swing in particular? Yeah. I mean, when I was younger, you know, when I got diagnosed in the seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade years, I was wearing a body cast to try to keep my back from curving. So I was trying to grow straighter and it just wasn't working. So that's why in 1985, when I was 15, I had to have back surgery because the curve was pushing into my lungs and I couldn't breathe on a normal basis and uh, very short-winded. And, and to this day, I'm, you know, I'm still short-winded to a point. But uh, all I cared about was having my life at that time. I didn't really care about golf, any kind of sport, anything else. My parents told me and my doctor told me that this is what we have to do. And uh, that's all we had to do. But when it came to the golf swing and, you know, I, I don't swing very hard. And I think back in those days, I was swinging a lot easier because uh, I was worried about my back. But I think it helped to a point. But that's the thing about golf. You know, everyone's golf swings different. And that's the beauty of it, that 
you don't have to have the perfect swing to compete and, and to play on a leisurely day. So that I, I just made my homemade swing and uh, keep going forward. Did that help you to kind of focus more on like the short game and putting aspects? Um, or, or were you more concerned at first with at least developing a swing that just worked for your back? It just really, uh, I mean, we always worked on our short game when we were kids because we couldn't afford to hit, go hit range balls. So we would go to the putting green and just chip and putt, you know? So, <laughs> but, you know, I think everyone has to, you know, learn their own swing. And then when I met Bob Toski in 2006, I told him about my back because I've always set up open and I've always would swing the golf club to the right and hooking everything. And if you know, Bob Tosca, he'll tell you you're a dummy sometime and just be to a point that why are you doing that? You're set up one way and you're swinging the other. Why don't you swing the same way if it's to the right or if it's to the left set up and swing the same. So I started aiming down to the left and swinging down to the left. And since 2006, we went on a pretty good little run and it just made it, easier for me to swing my body wasn't hurting i wasn't as tired after the day i uh, just made everything a lot more simpler you're playing a cut since then then i've been playing a cut since uh 2006 okay so um can you talk about you know high school golf a bit and then ending up playing d2 at uh henderson state yeah um playing high school you know I, there was four of us and so we were like the rat pack and uh we had a wonderful time and we were all, we were all growing up seventh, eighth grade and they wouldn't let us play until we were ninth graders. So uh, we were trying to get on the team when we were eighth graders and we probably would have been the whole team uh, at the time. But, but then we went into the freshman, we were freshman year and we played every single year all the way to the, the seniors. And we won district a few times. And I mean, no, none of my other three friends, they wanted to play as a, a different level. So they were just playing in high school, but what wonderful times, you know, that we look back on and I'm going back there this weekend to see a few of them, which is great. Then, um, then going on to college, the biggest thing for me there, I had an advisor named Dolores Bloomfield. She was one of the, the ladies that played in the league of their own, you know, back in the baseball ladies, women's baseball back in the day. And I think she must've knew something about me because I, I don't think I was pushing myself in, in school to learn. And she knew I just wanted to play golf and um, she kept me in school and, and got a degree. And, you know, now I'm, you know, out here chasing this whole world, but, uh, the, the college golf level, it's, it's coming totally different back when we were there and, um, uh, the, the workout, uh, routines that they do now and the practice routine they did now back in those days, we had a volunteer coach because we were a small school and, and he just would say, go, go practice and <laughs> go hit some balls, you know, go play, you know, whatever they will qualify. But nowadays it's, uh, it's pretty hardcore. And, and our team in Arkansas, we built the indoor practice facility for them there. And, and the girls and guys teams has been really great. The last five or six years, they've been really doing great. So certainly you have a degree of talent that not many people have, but can you tell me a little bit more about kind of, um, as you developed as a player growing up and, um, what was that like in terms of how often you were practicing and what did that take to kind of get to that level? Um, and then when did you start to feel like your game was really clicking? Like, wow, like maybe I can do this at the next level. Yeah, I was, I was always, you know, pretty talented and, uh, but it wasn't because of not hard work. You know, you always have to put that work in. I didn't grow up with a lot. So, you know, I had to figure out my practice time if it was before college or if it was after I got off work and all that. So, uh, you know, we didn't, we wasn't just 
go, Hey, go to the club and go play and, you know, be, see you later at night. It wasn't any of that stuff, but I've just always been somebody that, that never gave up and I always pushed forward. And if something wasn't working, I would try something different. And I've always been a player that was streaky, really streaky. I could have the 67s, but I'd have the 77s and in the, in the next day, you know, which didn't work. And, uh, obviously I qualified for the tour in 2004 and, um, I didn't play very well out there. Wasn't a very consistent player. Then when I met Bob Toski in 2006, he made everything more simple for me. I won the corn Ferry money tile that year. And now I kind of felt like, you know what, I can compete at this level. And it just made everything easier. I was more consistent. Uh, I was not hitting the ball out of bounds. I was not hitting the ball in the rough, uh, not missing greens. And it was fun. It was fun. So I think probably to that question, probably in 2006, 2007 was the years that uh, had a pretty good little run. Well, it's funny to me because you boil that down to, um, you know, we're speaking about years as like a short period of time. But at that point, you were what, like in your late mid, late 30s. And so going from after college and then playing on these mini tours, that probably must have required a certain degree of conviction and resolve to continue going right at that level, because it's not a sure thing that you're going to, you know, make it off those tours and make it to the PGA tour, be able to support a family or those types of things. So what helped you get through that and keep going and, you know, knowing that you had this stuff to get to the next level? Yeah. I mean, it's, everyone has their own stories, but just the, the will of never giving up of what, what you do, you know, back when I was younger and playing all different sports, I was just one of those kids that, wanted to compete. And I think taking that over these years and just fighting hard and, and just believing in what you do and believing that you can be out there and, and compete with all these kids. And the mini tours are very difficult, obviously. And now it's the corn Ferry and the PGA tour and the PGA tour champions. It's the game. has just come to a different level, but you know, it's just one of those wheels that, you know, you see it out there, you know, some guys have it and some guys don't that, the will of keep going or the will of like, okay, I'm just going to give up then I'll play next week. Do you think being from lesser means or, or simpler means um, as a kid growing up and do you think that kind of informed your, your resolve to want to compete and keep competing and, and not stop? Not saying yes, it is help and it doesn't, but it means something when you do finish well and because you haven't grown up with the, everything that's in front of you and all the the extra, you know, clubs to try or whatever, you know, the, that's what's, that's, what's tough about it. But, um, you know, I've just always been one of those people that just enjoyed life. And then, uh, sometimes when you're having fun, you keep going forward. If it's whatever, if you grew up with this or if you didn't grow up with this, it's just whatever it is, you make the best of it. Golf especially, right, has kind of high barriers to entry, so it's just tough if you don't have the means, right? Like, so were you mostly practicing at a public range or, or like you said, chipping balls in the backyard? How were you able to get the degree of practice that you needed to stay um, consistent? Yeah, I just remember back when I was in high school, my dad and I had a net in the backyard, and, and I would hit in the net before I had to go to class at 8 in the morning. You know, like at six in the morning, I'd hit balls um, because I'd have a full day of class and I'd have to go. I had a side job, too. So, you know, I wouldn't get off work till eight or nine o'clock at night and maybe go out there with a the flashlight and hit a few more then um, get a chance to do some of that stuff. But, um, you know, we wouldn't when I was growing up, we were members of the club for a while. Then, then we were, were not. So 
we just had a bunch of shag balls and we would hit in this field and just make the best of it that way as well. But sometimes you just got to put your head down and grind a little bit and, and believe it and, and keep going on. Great. Um, can you tell me a little bit, you know, the years from, from 04 to 07 in particular, and, you know, you kind of referenced that before, you had quite a few ups and downs, right, between um, gaining your PGA Tour card in 04 and then losing it the following year and then, you know, getting it again in 07 and then kind of entering the top 100. Um, can you tell me a little bit about those years and what that kind of roller coaster ride was like? Because definitely quite a few, you know, peaks and valleys in there, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd say 2003, I was on the Corn Ferry and and I finished high enough to get to the finals of qualifying school. Then I made it that year. So 2004, I got my tour card and, you know, really starstruck out there. You see all the name guys and the golf courses I've never played a lot harder and longer that I've never seen. Then I lost my card. Then 05, went to the Corn Ferry, finished 47th. Wasn't too bad. But then the next year is when I met Bob Toski and then made everything so much easier. I think I had nine or 10 top tens that year, and one or two wins. And, you know, just things were more, more simple. And um, I was in good health at the time. Sure, I still had my back issues, but I still was, you know, playing well. And 07, 08 was my best two years on the PGA Tour. Finished 38th and I finished 28th on the money there and uh, kind of got me over the hump and have a couple stumble years the next couple. But then I got back uh, and won in Daniel Island on the tour championship in 10. So I got back on the tour and I've been out there ever since until I came out here. But the whole thing was I was more consistent. And if you watch anybody out on the PGA tour or the, or any other tour, you need that consistency. And when you have that consistency off the tee and the ball striking and the putting, you can stay out there as long as you want. But it was a fun, it was a tough little ride there at the first, you know, and, and and everyone. I mean, I played with many guys, and like, how in the world is this guy not on tour or not on the corn ferry? It's just I don't know if it's they don't like to travel outside their comfort zone. If they can't handle the golf courses, they don't know how to deal with pressure. There's so many different things that you see with different guys all the time, and I've just been thankful so much for what what I've been able to do with all my hurdles that I've had to overcome and put your head down and grind, you know, cause you don't care how I play. Nobody else cares how I play. I just have to do it myself. What was it like entering the top hundred golfers in the official world golf rankings for the first time? Because I, you know, I'm thinking about the top hundred in the world at anything. Right. And so at that point you're better at playing golf than I am at speaking English, um, in terms of the world rankings. So what was that? Like, I'd imagine that was a whirlwind and so validating for you. Right. Yeah. And I didn't think much of it until, 2008, I think uh, the 2007, 2006, 7, and 8 was the years that I really played well. I didn't think much of it because I didn't think I would never was a top 50 guy in the world, right? I think I got down to 70th or 72nd, I'm not sure. But then I started looking at it because I was 18th on the Ryder Cup points in 2008. So, you know, that's, they, only, they had like two or three picks back those days and it's just because I had a you know a few good years in a row, and then I started looking at you know the Ryder Cup. Then I started looking at to see if I could get in the match play, which had been a top sixty-four or maybe a few more more than that. So I was close to that, but never did do either one. But it wasn't a big thing to me. You know, a lot of guys think about that stuff, but I just never thought I was. I never thought I was that player that was going. to, Oh my gosh, you're the top, you know, fifty in the world. No, I never thought that. I just played the game for the love of it, the competition. 
and to support my family. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, right, you're in a position that so few people on earth are, are in, right? And you get to support yourself doing something that you really enjoy and, and supporting a family, right? Um, right? You know, even a bad day for you, you're playing golf. So I think that's definitely good perspective on you. But I'd love to talk a little bit more about the culmination of your success on the PGA Tour in particular, right? And June 23rd and 2013, you know, in your 187th start, you get the win at the Travelers finally. That doesn't come easily, right? You end up going through two playoff holes. And again, that's funny to me because it seems like your whole story is one of just continued resilience. (laughs) They couldn't give it to you easy at that point and you just had to keep going. So I would love to hear what that was like um, and what that meant to you. Yeah, it was it's special. I think things happen for a reason. And if you look back on why things happen, you understand why they did happen. Bob Kosky, I've talked to him on this podcast a few times. He's my teacher. He won that tournament in 1953. That was his first PGA Tour win. And 60 years later, his student wins. Is that a coincidence? I've always believed in my dad. I don't have my dad right now, but he's always told me, if you're in a event, you have a chance to win. Just never forget that. And I look back on it and he's totally right. No one knew who this Will Zaharis was until the Masters this year. You know, and he played wonderful. He doesn't think about anything. He's just playing just like we are. And that week, a lot of things happened that I look back on like, wow, why did that happen? Uh, I got a few good bounces throughout the week. I mean, if Bubba doesn't, you know, hit a few bad shots, I mean, he kills us. He beats us by 10, you know, but it just didn't happen that way. It was my turn. 2008, I had three seconds. I thought at least I could get one of those that when I lost by a shot or two, but that it just seemed like things happened for a reason. That's Cromwell, the Travelers Championship. Everyone loves it. It's right after the U.S. Open. So a lot of big names come and play. It's a golf course that, doesn't beat you up it's a fun golf course and you know perfect fit for my game and everything worked out you know made a few putts i shouldn't have and got a few good bounces and uh, luckily i hit one close on the last hole and tapped it in it seems like you're able to kind of laugh through that right tied for second three times in 08 and if you don't laugh at that i'd imagine you gotta cry because uh that just takes a lot out of you to keep getting so close and i'm sure that was so you know validating and awesome and and obviously like you said just the weird thing with winning the same tournament that your coach had won decades prior that's just so special and i'd imagine it meant a lot to your family as well right sure it was wonderful yeah i mean obviously a dream come true to play on the pga tour but to win a tournament, yes, no question. And there's one other round that you know of note that you've had, and um, didn't get the win that week. But um, it's kind of the stuff of legends. Was that third round at Players in in 2016, where you shot a 65? And Jason Day, I remember reading that he had shot 73 that day, and he's like, "What? What golf course was uh, Ken Duke <laughs> playing that day? Was he across the street because it was playing so difficult?" What was going on that day for you? Like, I know they say when some guys are in the zone, the hole just looks like a, you know, a basketball hoop. It was a few things. I mean, we didn't finish our round on Friday because we had a later tee time and we had to play four holes the next morning. So I had to, you know, play decent. I had to make one birdie, I think, on all pars and make the cut. So I did that. Then now I'm teeing off the back nine on Sunday. Well, what happened was they're getting ready to tear up all the greens on Monday to redo all of TPC Sawgrass. So they kind of let them get out of hand, really. 
So they recut them and remode uh, rolled them before we started the third round, and no one was even told. And most of the time that that happens, you get told that. Well, they've re-rolled them again, so obviously that's going to make them faster. Nobody told us. So I knew, I'm playing with James Hahn and Jason Kern, and I knew in the first couple holes that we played that we start on the back. These greens are fast, very fast, you know, and faster than the last couple of days. But that was the ticket, I think. I, we started on the back nine and finished on the front. And the wind picked up in the afternoon on the back for all the big name players. And as they were finishing, there's a lot more trouble on that back nine than it is on the front. But but that day was a, was, a, was just a ball striking day. And that it goes back to being consistent. You know, I hit it in the fairway and we just had a lot of good numbers on irons. And I hit it in the right spots that you could hold putts on fast screens. And I rolled them. I made them, you know, and. You know, I just thought it was just a great round. You know, 65 anywhere is a great round, but I didn't realize what really happened until I finished and the media wanted to talk to me. I knew I was up, moved up the board a little bit, but I didn't realize that I beat the field by 10 shots. I didn't, I didn't realize that until everybody just thought, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So it was just one of those days that, like you're talking about, you know, you, you didn't think much, but uh, my caddy didn't say much to me. He knew I was playing well. And, he knew what to say and what not to say or when to talk and when not to. And uh, we hit it in the right spots and I made the putts. It was um, a, a day I'll never forget. It was special. So obviously you, you knew you were, you know, really hitting the ball well, hitting putts. But did you notice that uh, the course was playing incredibly hard or did it just feel like another day to you? It was another day. I, the golf course was about the same, but the greens was a little more quick than they were the first two days. And that's just because they're drying them out. Um, they re-rolled them again and, and, and et cetera. Sure. I knew I was, like I said, I was moving up the board and that's all I was looking at, but I didn't realize to the end till I finished that day that, wow, these guys were shooting 74, 75, 76. And I didn't think nothing of it. I was just trying to move up the board. That's all I cared about. Uh, but it was just one of those days that, Everything worked out, and uh, I, I hold a bunch of putts. And it wasn't like 40, 50 footers. I made a lot of the five, six, eight, ten footers that you have to make to keep the round going. It was just a great ball striking day. Now, more recently, you've started to play on the Champions Tour. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the dynamic of what that's like, you know, both on and off the course? Because obviously different from the PGA Tour in that everyone's just a little bit older, but the level of golf is still just incredibly, incredibly impressive. Um, and I actually really enjoy watching the champions tour because there's some great Sunday rounds. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's a little more laid back out there. Um, we don't play until Friday, a few majors we placed, we play we're, the four day tournaments, which is fine, but everyone's in carts and practice rounds. So you're carting around joking up and you may play nine holes and go grab some lunch and may roll a few putts and say, okay, I'll be back tomorrow. You know, it's just, Everyone's playing music. It's nothing like the <laughs> tour. The caliber of players is great. I mean, there's a lot of really good players out there, and and obviously they came from the PGA Tour as well. And but it's it's just more laid back than uh, than the big tour for sure. But it's fun. It's I'm excited being out there. A uh, great bunch of guys, and it's like a big family, and uh, it's it's really nice. Is the traveling a little bit easier on you? Like, do you, are you more selective with the tournaments that you're playing or um, is it kind of, you know, pretty similar to the PGA tour in that regard? It's not uh, that we have, we have less tournaments on the PGA tour champion. So 
they'll go two weeks and a week off, or they'll go three weeks and two weeks off. So it's easy to play. I think there's a 26 uh, schedule tournament schedule. So it's easy to play them all compared to, you know, 40 weeks on the, on the PGA tour. Then you have to do this. You have to do that. Uh, it's a little, a little more easy to, to set your schedule because they won't go more than two weeks, two to three weeks at the most without having a week or two off. And, and obviously you, you don't, you only have three day tournament compared to a four day tournament and, uh, you're not as worn down, but you know, I still usually just go on a Monday. Uh, if it's a course I really know, I might go on a Tuesday to, to go over there and I'll have a pro-am. Yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to play the schedule compared to the PGA Tour. Has that improved the balance of your life in terms of just like spending more time with your family and kind of enjoying yourself? Uh, you know, obviously a little bit more relaxed for you, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, there's all this COVID stuff that's kept me here at this house <laughs> a lot more than I usually am. And, and all the other guys as well. I mean, we're all used to, you're used to playing a full schedule. If it's 25 to 30 weeks, we're used to it. And we're kind of freaking out. What do we do, you know, when it comes to that? But the biggest thing is you see some of these older guys, these Hall of Famers that you see that, like, well, they still playing for, but they just love this routine. They love to hang out with the guys, come and tell stories. It's love to, it's great to, to sit in the locker room and catch some of these older guys telling stories that you never would hear before, but that's what that tour is about a lot, uh, as well as really good golf, but uh, it is good to be home more because, you know, back when I was on the PGA tour, I never was home very much. And it's very difficult for me and, and my crew as well. Who are uh, some of your favorite guys to tee it up with on the tour? Uh, I'm good friends with VJ Singh. You know, he's a straight shooter. You know, he, he likes to joke around, but he, he'll give it to you well as well, which is really, really fun. And I got a chance to play with Phil a couple of times, which is nice. Ernie Els, it's, what you see is what you get with Ernie. He's so so laid back, kind of like Freddie Couples. Um, There's just so many good guys, you know, to, to, to hang with and uh, laugh with. And, I mean, I, I've gotten to know Colin Montgomery a lot uh, here recently. And, I mean, that guy, I was joking with one of the caddies last week that, Colin Montgomery's talking to me like we're like buddies for like 40 years, <laughs> you know, uh, but he's more laid back too back in his days now than he was back when he was, you know, on the, on the European tour and stuff. But I think that's what happens, you know, with the champions tour, most of those guys have made it and they're just out here enjoying and competing and, and that's what makes it the most fun of all. Yeah. I think it's so good to see some of those guys, like almost enjoying golf a little bit more now that you know they're still competitive but it's uh it's definitely a more laid-back vibe and it's funny you mentioned Monty because him and uh Bernard Langer uh played again recently together and have a history because Monty's a little bit quicker pace and Bernard's pretty methodical <laughs> so uh, I was laughing at that you know some guys the way they like to play is is quick or slow and that's the way they're gonna play so it's um yeah you know, they're retaining somewhat of a competitive edge, trying to keep playing the style they like to play. That's right. That's right. That's the beauty of it. You know, the guys that play on the PGA Tour, they're not going to change anything different to the Champions Tour. They're going to do what they want to do. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, that's just the way it goes. Well, thanks so much for your time, Ken. I guess lastly, I would just love to ask you, I know you have some charity initiatives that you're involved in, so I'd love to ask you a little bit about that before I let you go. Yeah, I, again, really appreciate you having me on. And um, I, I'm always involved in charities. It's not, it's never really about me playing golf. It's about helping and giving back. And 
Uh, I have this charity event down here in South Florida called the Ken Duke and Friends. And what it is, it's, it's, it's all the people that I've met in pro-ams that love to give back and love to help out. Uh, we support the Folds of Honor, Colonel, you know, the Folds of Honor, Colonel Rooney over in Tulsa. He comes every year. Then, then I'll bring some, you know, some celebrities in baseball, football, basketball guys, some country music friends of mine that they love to play golf. And, and, and it's more of a, just a laid back feeling. I may have a couple PGA tour, PGA tour champion guys come and play as well, but, but then we, we help the folds. Then we help two local charities here in Martin County. And um, we, this is our fifth year having it coming up and it's been wonderful, but I do get a chance to, to go to not John Daly's charity events and, uh, just so, so many other ones that uh, I really just love giving back, and it's it's just really nice. And um, it's uh, I do a lot of stuff with scoliosis as well. I talk to kids and all the time about you know their surgeries and how, what their story is, and just trying to give a uh, a friendly voice and some encouragement more just seeing, instead of just seeing a doctor every single day and, and going forward. But uh, it's been really nice, and it's been a great run and a great ride, and. And uh, we're still just having trying to get, having a good time. And again, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, well, it's great to see you using your your platform uh, to give back. You know, I know you've been through a lot, so definitely uh, appreciate to see you doing that. And hopefully, I'll continue to see you on the uh, tour edge commercials, looking like a Hollywood actor. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes they make you look famous, but you're not really famous. But uh, no, it's. Uh, it's great to be a part of the Tour Edge crew, and uh, they got a lot of good product out right now, and and uh, it's just fun. But I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Ken, and take care.